Welcome to The Surpassing Worth, a podcast where we study scripture, know Christ deeper, and treasure him above all things. This is your host, Cole. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to The Surpassing Worth. This is Cole, your host, and I really wanted to just spend one episode on verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. When I was going over and meditating on this passage and studying it, this verse just stuck out to me, and I couldn't get away from just the depths that are in it, and so I didn't feel right just kind of glossing over it, bumping it in with the last episode, or uh, just kind of glossing over it. I really wanted to spend some time on it. So, That's what we're going to do. We're going to dive deep into really spiritual warfare in this episode. So I'm really excited about this. So let me read you uh, verse 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians 2 in context, and then we'll pray and we'll get right into the episode. Anyone whom you forgive, says Paul, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. So that, verse 11, We would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you are the God of all truth, that your word is truth, that, Lord, we can know you because of your word, and that, Lord, since the beginning of all creation, you have desired us to be in fellowship with you, but we do know that we have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us, Lord. And as Christians, we need your protection, just as David cried out in the Psalms, that, Lord, we need to be protected under the shadow of your wings. So, Lord, would you protect us as your people? Lord, would we be aware of how Satan schemes and works in our lives? That, Lord, we wouldn't be outwitted by his designs. So, Lord, we ask you for this in the power of your spirit through the blood of Jesus, and in his name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's really talk about spiritual warfare for this episode. Let me just reread verse 11 for you. Paul says, This is so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Now, in context, Paul is talking about forgiving this brother who has sinned in the Corinthian church. We've been talking about that for the past three episodes now. So he's really saying that, Uh, When we don't forgive others, especially our brothers and sisters, we fall into a trap of Satan. Satan wants us to be in disunity with one another. He wants us to be in discord. He loves it when the local church is in disarray because of those who are quarreling and bickering and causing disruption and sin in the church. So Paul is saying, listen, guys, don't let Satan outwit you. He is trying to destroy your unity in Christ. Look at what you do have together. You have the spirit of Jesus living inside of you. You have the gospel of peace that is forgiven you. You have forgiveness through Jesus' blood. You have an inheritance through the Holy Spirit. You have one Father, one Lord, one baptism, as Ephesians 4 says. So Paul is saying, look, when you don't forgive others and let disarray continue in your midst and disunity among brothers and sisters in Christ, you are falling into a design of Satan. Now, we could spend five episodes talking about the designs and plots of Satan specifically in our lives. It doesn't just uh, come down to forgiveness of other Christians. I mean, there's many ways in which Satan tempts and distracts us. We don't have time for that, but really what I want to do is take these two phrases, that we wouldn't be outwitted by Satan, 
And then the second phrase, for we are not ignorant of his designs. So outwitted and designs. I want to take those two words and speak a little bit about spiritual warfare in the Christian life. So let's take that first one. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan. What does that word portray? What does that word imply? Outwitted. It implies that Satan is crafty, that he is seeking to trick and deceive us into sin, into rebelling against God's plan and will for our lives. And this is true. We see this all the way back in Genesis. What did the serpent say to Eve when he tempted her? Did God really say? Did God really say? Those four words is the same strategy that Satan uses to outwit us by his designs. He wants to, and these these are four points, back to back to back to back. He wants us first to disbelieve God's word in our lives. He wants us first to disbelieve God's word in our lives. Did God really say that? So when you're reading the Bible, he wants you to be skeptical of it. He wants you to think, this is this is too archaic for me. This, this doesn't relate to my life. This doesn't have anything to do with me. Do I really believe this? Those questions are dangerous. So Christian, if you have been reading your Bible and have been tempted to disbelieve God's word in your life, repent, turn around, ask God for faith to help your unbelief. Don't fall into the ploy of Satan. Second, Satan wants you to scorn your dependence on God. He wants you to scorn your dependence on God as foolishness. He wants you to be self-sufficient in your life. I don't need God. I, I'm, I'm enough by myself. I don't need to pray. I, I provide for my own needs. You know, I can figure this out myself. I don't need to depend on God's word and on prayer and on Christian community. I can do it myself. That is a lie from Satan. The first lie in the garden was that if you eat of this tree, you will be made like God. You will know good and evil. You will know right and wrong, and you'll be wise in your own eyes. That's what Satan told Eve. The temptation there was to be self-sufficient, to be your own little G-God, to rule your own world. That is the first sin. That is pride. Satan desires that you rebel against God's authority in your life by becoming your own God, whether it's not depending on God at all, by reading his word, by being in prayer, or why, or whether it's um, making your own plans and not leaning upon the wisdom and understanding of the Lord for your life, or just de- desiring to do your own thing in life, desiring to build your own dreams in your own kingdom versus seeking first the kingdom of God. Third, Satan wants to isolate you from those whom you need in your life. He wants to isolate you. This is the, the central importance of the local church in our lives is that we are a community together built upon one foundation of the gospel, that we wouldn't be in disunity or discord with each other, but rather we would be united and be together. Yes, I know the local church is messy. It's full of sinful people who are still being sanctified by the same grace that first saved them. It's messy until we get to the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus returns. We will will not be perfect yet. We are still in the flesh. But like Paul, we should say, while we are in the flesh, we still live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Satan wants to take you away from a local community of believers who love you and care for you. If he can do that, I believe he can destroy your faith. I mean, we see it all the time. This deconstruction movement that's going around in our nation specifically and in the Western world, it, I believe really happens when people have dislocated themselves from the church 
and are just trying to live life and live faith on their own. They let the doubts get to them. They believe that um, they are good enough in their own eyes, that they're wise enough, that they they scorn God's authority over their lives, and they fall into traps one and two, to disbelieve God's word and to scorn your dependence on God. So Satan wants to isolate you from those whom you need in your life. Fourth, and this is what we're really getting at, is he wants to make you doubt your faith. He wants to make you doubt who you are in Jesus, that he wants you to even doubt your salvation. And if possible, which I I don't believe that true saints can uh, depart from the faith, he wants to make you uh, abandon Jesus altogether. And sadly, we, we see this in our world to some degree, that those who have once claimed to follow Jesus, now I don't know whether their faith was sincere or the conversion was true in the first place, he wants them to doubt their own salvation and to deconstruct, that Satan is the father of this deconstruction movement. He's the father of lies. He wants you to not believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. He wants you not to believe that God's word is true in every way without mixture of error. He wants you to reject God's authority of your life. So don't be outwitted with those four things. Go back, rewind, listen to those things. Don't be outwitted by his designs. He's crafty. He's the father of lies. God's word is true. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit of truth testifies in your life of the truth. Bank upon God's word. Lean upon not your own understanding, but upon the wisdom and the love and perfection of God that he's given us through his holy word. So don't be outwitted by Satan. Second, don't be ignorant of his designs. This kind of goes what we were just talking about. But think about that word design. Satan is actively scheming and making plans to trap you. It's like uh, a trap in the woods that we set up to, to catch bunnies or whatever. That it, It's a snare. He wants to entrap you in um, where you can't get out. And he designs things. He is actively scheming against God's people. And now I don't believe specifically that Satan himself is you know, the one making these designs for your specific life. I don't know how the spiritual realm works. I don't know how um, Satan employs his demons to to do these things. But I really do believe that through the the the, the culture of the world, what we call what we call the world in the Christian life, through our own flesh, right, our sinful propensities in our life, and then third, through demonic forces, through powers of principalities as Ephesians 6 clearly says, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the powers of the air. That through those three things, the world, the system of the world, our flesh, and through the reality of Satan and demons, that that there are designs against us as Christians to um, fall into our old way of life. And there are designs for unbelievers to prevent them, to blind them from seeing the truth of the gospel. So I just want to point out four of those designs. And these are things that... Uh, you know, prayed through and meditated about. But these are four of these designs that Satan actively schemes and sets up traps for you in your life. First, he wants you to follow the majority. Think about this. He wants you to do what the majority does, even if it is not right and displeasing to God. I mean, mostly, actually all the time, if it's not right, displeasing to God. Our culture, the majority culture right now, are saying things that are clearly against God's word and we must not follow the majority. We must not think that just because the majority says something is right and acceptable, that it is right and acceptable in God's eyes. Rather, what is our authority? Our authority is Jesus Christ and his, and his word, which he has given to us through the inspiration 
of the Spirit. God's Word is the source of all truth, morality, and uprightness. Don't follow the majority, no matter what people are saying on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever. Read your Bible. Read the truth. Be in it for yourself and ask God to give you a spirit of understanding and of wisdom to understand the truth and not to interpret it through the eyes of those who want to distort God's truth for gain or for sinful purposes. Second, one of Satan's designs is that he wants you to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You are right. Others are wrong. You know everything. Others don't know anything. Even when it comes to matters of faith, you know everything. You know that the way you're living is the best way to live. You're, you, you believe that you've arrived in the Christian faith. This is a design from Satan. The true posture of Christian ministry and of Christian, uh, just our Christian walk is humility, that we know that we have not arrived until we have reached the new heavens and the new earth, until Jesus gives us a new resurrection body, and we are free from sin and shame and temptation. Rather, wholly depend upon the cross of Jesus. Don't believe in yourself. Wholly depend upon the cross of Jesus. You need it now, just as you needed it when you first believed upon him. The gospel of Jesus, the grace that is given to us, makes us realize that he alone is the name above all other names, that we are creatures of dust, yet God has given us worth through Jesus. My worth is not in what I own, but it's in Jesus Christ. Don't believe in yourself. Believe in the gospel. Third, there's too much strife in your life. There's too much trouble in your life. This is a design from Satan that he um, schemes to cause trouble, to cause distress in our lives. And so we he did this to Job. He said, if I curse Job and if I make him sick and take away all these things from his life with God's permission, of course, then Job will curse God. And God said, okay, do it, try it. And Job didn't curse God. He didn't allow the strife of life to um, take away his faith in God's faithfulness in his life and his love for him. So the troubles in our life, the, the cares that just rack up on us, and the worries, they can cause us to disbelieve God and to, to fall into a trap of Satan to um, really have a lack of faith and not to depend upon God in our daily lives. So you know, when life is too hard, you're, there, there's two options. You can shake your fist at heaven and say, why God? Or you can bow your face to the dust and plead for mercy and help in your time of need. And God wants us to do the latter as Hebrews 4 15 through 16 says that we have a high priest in Jesus who will give us um, boldness to the throne, access to the throne for help, mercy, and grace in our time of need. Fourth, and we already talked about this, but I just want to reiterate, the, the main design of Satan is to say, did God really say? That is the temptation you will face as a Christian for the rest of your life. Am I really forgiven? Does God really love me? Is God really with me? Is this really what life is about? Is Christianity really the only true religion? Is Jesus the only way to God? Is there really a hell? Would God really punish people? Those questions are questioning the very word of God. We must be careful. I, I do believe there is right room to doubt and ask sincere questions and to, by faith, seek understanding, especially within the context of faithful brothers and sisters who will explore those with us as we're going through a hard time. But... Often, more often than not, those questions lead to a disbelief and a distrust in who God has revealed himself to be in his word. So don't fall into that trap, that design of God. Did God really say this? Rather, he has proven himself true. And ultimately, through Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
So I hope that helped. Uh, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to those, write those points down, uh, those four points of not being outwitted, and then those four points of not falling into Satan's design. So I hope really diving deep on this one verse that we wouldn't be outwitted by Satan and that we wouldn't be ignorant of his designs really helped you understand spiritual warfare and Paul's understanding of it. And the solution, of course, is that we would put on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the gospel of peace on our feet, and the word of God like a sword and a shield of faith, and that we would walk um, in in this foreign land, in this war, um, doing battle uh, with forces of evil for the time is evil, making the best use of our time to live for God's kingdom and to bring that light of the gospel into other people's lives.